welcome to the Cold Pizza Party Podcast. My name is Lubitsa. And I'm Adam. Why are you, why are you laughing already? Uh, because it's been so long <laughs> since we did our last podcast, and we have a full one recorded that we never put out, mm-hmm. uh, because someone didn't finish mastering it. When we were on vacation. <laughs> or after. It's been months. Yeah, so it's been a long time, uh, but we're back. New year, same podcast. Mm-hmm. Um we are same yeah same interests basically yeah. uh so this is a podcast that we make about politics and tv and the politics of tv and it's mm-hmm. basically i think a good way to examine yeah politics and ideology and what we tell the stories we tell ourselves about our politics are left wing our taste in tv is pretty trashy yeah yeah um so let's just get into it, uh, since we haven't done this in a while, unless okay. there's anything else you want to talk about. No? Okay. Uh, <laughs> what, you mean talk about, uh, like, ourselves or what we like? To, should I talk more about what we talk about? Is that what you're asking? No, I don't know. Like, I was thinking maybe we should do something like, you know, what was your favorite part of the Christmas break? Or <laughs> yeah. We spent it all together, so. Yeah, I know, but. I don't know. It seems like a good way to be. We can start with a like, rec- general recommendation if you want or something. You want to make like a TV recommendation? Yeah. Sure. Well, I'll go first. Uh, my favorite thing that we've watched recently has definitely been Terrace House. Yeah. It's a uh, Japanese reality TV show. We're very dedicated to watching reality TV shows. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, this one is really awesome. It's... I think boring by American standards, but it's very engrossing. Mm-hmm. Uh, we've watched all the seasons that there are. <laughs> yeah. Well, that are have subtitles that we can find. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. We're like all in. They basically put random. Six... They put three girls and three boys together. Yeah, that's how they like to. Say all we've it. provided is a nice house and a nice car. There's no script. Yeah, and then they just kind of go on like living their lives mm-hmm. and. Um, but it's not like the real world where it's all partying, getting drunk, and having fights. No, not at all. Yeah. The biggest, I guess, like, thread is, like, people trying to date each other. Yeah. Uh, which they're, like, really awkward about. Like, uh, I'm gonna be sound extremely racist in general here, but, like, Japanese people have no game. <laughs> <laughs> at least not the people on Tara's house. It's there's wildly multiple, awkward. <laughs> there's multiple storylines where it's like, oh, I can't believe, like, you held her hand already. Yeah. You've only been on three dates. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, no one's getting a lot of play. Until they are. Then all of a sudden it's like, oh, yeah, we've been having sex. It's like, wait, what? <laughs> yeah. Secretly. Yeah. Um, but anyway, it's fascinating. And there's... There's two series on Netflix. Yeah, they have... Uh, but the best series is the very first one, straight from the beginning. Yeah. Which you can find online. Although I really liked um, yeah, that one's Boys great. and Girls in the City, the one where they're in Tokyo. I thought yeah. that one was really pretty good, too. They have my favorite character. Well, no, my, my most favorite character is Guy from oh, Guy, yeah. Aloha. Aloha. He is the purest person to ever be on reality TV by Definitely. far. And uh, then, yeah, my favorite. I had, Literally, he was in my dream last night, is Armand. <laughs> I had, like, a Terrace House crossover dream. Armand's half Hawaiian. Or, he's not. He's half uh, Iranian, half half Japanese, but he lived in Hawaii. Yeah. Yeah. And he was 100% chill compared to everybody else. There's... 
watch Aloha second after In the City or the older one if anyone's interested in watching because yeah. there's like a major there's culture cam- clash. Uh, yeah, there's also cameos from True. previous seasons. But like if you've seen the straight Japanese yeah. lifestyle of Terrace House. Yeah, you'll see why when they have a lot more American people or like American yeah. Japanese people. On Shit the- gets stirred up. Yeah. Like they don't know how to deal with Armon at first because... Another, the second major subplot of Terrace House besides dating is what are your dreams in life and what yeah. are you doing to pursue them right and this wh- instant? Yeah. Why, how hard are you working? Yeah. And why aren't you working hard if you're yeah. not? <laughs> yeah. And so when Armand is like, I don't need a lot of material things to be yeah. happy. I just want to have like a family that loves me. He says the most cliche me. American thing yeah. like that. Like, I just want friends and family and to be happy. Yeah. And it blows their minds. Yeah. The one, the one guy who's like 28. Who's like, like applying to go to Harvard. Yeah. His like super smart architecture student is yeah. like, Armand, what you said that day has stayed with me when he's like leaving. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and on the day when he said it, they were like, I've never heard that before. Yeah. I've never heard somebody say that. Yeah. Before. Yeah. It was yeah. really interesting. Yeah. It's just really cool to see like a completely different culture and how differently everything is not just dating, like friendships, yeah. everything. Um, and you can like us like salivate at all the really good looking food Yeah, and try making your own, uh, Highballs. Yeah. <laughs> Just be careful because it is whiskey and it will catch up with you very quickly. That's what we realized. We're like, oh, this is great. <laughs> yeah. Um, a little too much. <laughs> anybody want to see the first season, you can reach out to us. We'll link you to some fan subs that you can download. Yeah. Um, otherwise, my recommendation, also on Netflix, the the smash hit series that everybody is talking about, Devil Man Crybaby. Oh, God. It's a anime series, Netflix native anime series. It's yeah, Adam's by... a huge anime nerd. Maybe one day we'll do an entire episode dedicated I was to thinking, all your favorite animes. I was thinking I could force you to watch Evangelion, and we could just do a recap every two episodes. <laughs> <laughs> this is an interesting thing to spring on me on the podcast. Is that because you just want me to say yes? <laughs> we don't. You don't have to say yes or no. Okay. Um, it would be interesting because that was very a deeply important cultural thing to me because I watched yeah. that when I was like 16 or 17. Meanwhile, in high school, to and me, it was huge. deeply culturally important to be completely anti-anime <laughs> and shit on all anime nerds, yeah. but you know. <laughs> but Devilman Crybaby is by Masaki Yuasa. I think, I don't know how you say his name. I've never heard it spoken. But he's known for Genius Party, Mind Game, Ping Pong the Animation, which is great. And if you're not a weeaboo, you might have seen his Adventure Time episode. Uh, food chain yeah really crazy it's pretty cool yeah but it's it's a really cool series um it's kind of like a throwback to the late 80s early 90s direct-to-video anime that since it wasn't on tv it could be more violent and have sex in it and this is like that but with his sort of like loose um childlike style Mm -hmm. so it's really it's really cool but it's also still a lot of violence and sex and but a lot of those animes like I like watching them, but they're kind of shitty. Yeah. And it's mostly... So there's very few of them that are actually good. Mm-hmm. But this has great writing. It's actually funny. It's so rare to find an anime that can actually make me laugh. Yeah, um, I've heard you laughing a few times while you're watching it. Yeah. If you're interested in all, at all in like just seeing really good TV or movies, you should check it out because like they're just really good at what they do. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. Okay, now let's get right into it, even after, okay. even though I just said at the beginning that we would get right into it. Okay, 
So, uh, we've been watching a lot of TV while we were not talking about anything. Um, we spent all the time that we should have spent podcasting watching a lot of TV. Yeah. And um, I also have this book called Investigating Charmed, The Magic Power of TV, which I've probably mentioned before because I'm absolutely obsessed with it. Um, and it's basically a academic look at the TV series Charmed. <laughs> um, and... Uh, so I was reading uh, like a little bit in this book, and then we started um, just kind of accidentally watching a lot of TV shows that are female-centered or the protagonist is female. That's like female detective stories. Yeah. Um, so recently we watched a show, an Irish TV show called Acceptable Risk. Mm -hmm. uh, we also watched a British TV show called Bancroft. Right. And we watched a... Was it also British? Marcella? On mm, Netflix? So, yeah. yeah. So... Or Scottish or something, maybe. Northern uh, England or something. Yeah. So... And then we also started, but haven't at all finished, a French show called Le Mans. I don't know if we will. I don't uh, know if it's that good. willing to anyway. at least try. But yeah. The point is, um, in all of these, we have female protagonists uh, trying to solve some type of crime. Mm -hmm. uh, Lamont is a little different because rather than being the detective, she is a serial killer who's yeah. behind bars, but she's aiding she, the yeah, police. Yeah, she's still the protagonist. Yeah. She's still trying to solve crimes. Yeah. And Marcella's kind of interesting because although she's the detective, I would say she's a mm. very uh, anti-hero protagonist she's which, actually the, the villain it's beyond yeah. being an anti-hero it's like yeah yeah well wait oh bancroft, no. bancroft is like yeah, the bancroft. villain yeah yeah um okay but so i think we'll talk about bancroft and marcello a little bit but i, I uh what i wanted to talk about in regards to both charmed and i want to do an entire episode devoted to charm the way that you think maybe we should do an anime <laughs> devoted <laughs> episode um but that's bigger than than just this episode. But I thought it would be interesting to talk a little bit about acceptable risk and charm just as kind of how female-centric shows tend to go and how they're a little bit different than shows that uh, have a male protagonist. Because you would think, like, well, it's a cop show. We've seen yeah. procedural dramas a million times. So what if they put a female character in... Or in this case, it's like a, a little bit paranoid mystery um, so what if they put in a female character instead of a male? Yep. The rest of the story should be the same. But, of course, it's not. Yeah. Um, which I'm not Although, criticizing. I mean, I think that's fine. Like, women are mothers, right? So yeah. their experience is going to be different than but men. Going, going back or, a few years to shows like The Killing or The Bridge, isn't that kind of the way it was? The women aren't that that's different true. from male characters. That's very true. Yeah, The Killing, she's mm -hmm. really, like... Yeah. I, mean, they, I think there's a theme of her being barren, right? Yeah. So it still comes up. But. Yeah. Uh, one thing that I noticed, too, about all of these shows, just to start it off before we even get into the um, main thesis I wanted to talk about, is, like, the casting. We often have this very, like, gamine, which is, like, a almost, like, small, boyish mm -hmm. figure, you know, very uh, straight kind of boyish body, no mm -hmm. curves, no sexiness, no yeah. uh, nothing to kind of imply femininity, I feel like. In yeah. all of these castings, right? I mean, 
a little bit Bancroft is different, but she's always very covered up, and she's very still, like, skinny and straight. She's just more tall, basically. Aren't they more often, like, the angular, dramatic body type? No, like only Bancroft is. No. Uh, in Acceptable Risk, she's, like, a tiny, petite little lady. Yeah, she dresses pretty gammy, too. Yeah. Same with Marcella. Same with... Actually, same with Yord Scott's female lead, who's also a female detective, same with same with the young girl from bancroft yeah yeah yeah, totally um yeah and even though she's a little more curvy they actually like put her in suits and jackets to like Mm -hmm. straighten out those curves so you have like lines and and bancroft it's like a contrast bancroft is tall and dramatic and she's shorter and more feminine yeah yeah yeah, so I think that's just kind of interesting off the bat that they always seem to do this casting, uh, uh, but especially that kind of boyish, smaller lady. I think there's something that they want to like show us, like, this is a woman in contrast to a man, like she's petite, mm-hmm. but then yeah. we still need you to, like, I think they're still worried that if she had, like, a flouncy top on or a floral dress on or something overtly feminine that you wouldn't, like, you'd be mm-hmm. distracted by that or you wouldn't take her as seriously. Even what's because... Her... Oh, I wasn't just... Even what's her name from uh, Brokenwood, the New Zealand detective. Yeah. So she's too feminine to be a main character. Yeah. But she's not that feminine no. at all. Yeah. Um, because in Acceptable Risk, which is what I want to talk about here, um, Sarah Manning is the main character and she is the wife of a recently deceased person and she was a lawyer. So there's no... She could dress... She's a stay-at-home mom. Yeah. She could dress in, like, 1950s you know, style, like, Mad Men style feminine dresses if she wants to. There's no reason for her to be dressed in very masculine, like, or, or boyish I outfits. feel like she wears kind of office garb, like, work-appropriate yeah. attire at all yeah, times. There, and she does that thing that's, like, really boring, but people think is interesting, where she wears, like, um, male fitted pants and a heavy wool jacket, yeah. but a silky blouse, yeah. you know? Yeah. <laughs> it's like, okay, well... But it's always, like, a blouse that goes, like, all the way up to her neck. Like, she's very covered. It's very, you know, conservative. Mm -hmm. Um, So I just think that's interesting that they... Obviously, like, TV is a visual medium, so I think we would be remiss to This is part of the character definition. Yeah, to overlook these commonalities and all these Why did they constantly put her in that yellow... Mustard! I know, so bad. This is, like, a woman who clearly has, like, pink, rosy undertones uh, under her like like milky ivory white irish skin like she's so white and then clearly pink uh, like undertones and they pick this mustard yellow and all these browns yeah i I was wondering like did they cast a different woman and then they're just like well this is the wardrobe we bought like it's not like she had one coat that was mustard yellow she had like multiple yellow coats multiple yellow sweaters and like an all brown outfit that was like hideous yeah it was very weird i don't don't know know what what that that choice was i think they had a color scheme in mind because also like all tv now a lot of these tv shows have like a not just like a color scheme like in the background where they're constantly tying colors back in together mm-hmm. or colors tying characters together but like they have a like Instagram filter yeah. so colors like that mustard yellow or like a uh, like robin's egg blue like look really good on those Instagram filters and i wonder if they were like oh well this yellow coat really Maybe, pops yeah. out and makes her our protagonist and then the sky is like filtered to look like a robin's egg blue you know mm-hmm. so it's like always like dreary and like you know it is, yeah. 
for aficionados of the color scheme style. Yeah. You got to check out Falling Water, which is back from oh, the second season. It's that is the absolute the worst, worst example yeah. of it. It's everything is... Blue, I can't gray. come up with a better word than just like dried shit. Just like... <laughs> yeah. It's like if, if you... If an office carpet was made out of dried shit. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's really bad. That's another gamine kind of detective. Oh, yeah, paranoid detective. detective. Yeah. yeah. Supernatural. Yeah. detective. Yeah. Um, okay, so what I okay, so obviously we talked before on this podcast about supernatural detectives, and I think that that's um, somewhat, I guess, relevant, but not really the part of the discussion that we're going to focus yeah. on today. But if you want to, you should go back and listen to that episode because it's, it's something one. we like talk about all the time. Yeah, which Maybe one we'll was revisit it? Revisit it, like episode two or three. It might be or episode four. one. One was unreal, or two was unreal. I think two was unreal. It's one of the first, like, five. Yeah. I it might literally... It probably says Supernatural Detective somewhere in the title. Yeah. So, anyway. No, the title's We're All Atheists now. So. Oh, yeah, that's right. Yeah. yeah. So look for that. Okay. <laughs> um, anyway. So, in the Charm book... Okay, so I'm going to read a cut, like, a, a thing here to you a little bit, and then we'll talk about it. But, you know. Uh, they talk about... Um, so, Charm does... Three sisters find out they're witches mm. in, like, the late 90s, early 2000s on yeah. the WB created by, uh, what's his buns? Tori Spelling's dad, Aaron and then, Spelling. And one day secret sister Rose McGowan shows up. Yeah, th- that happens later. But the point is... That's what everybody knows her for, is charm. It's, like, interesting because it's a show that, like, was not profound or shitty. Yeah, it was kind of somewhere in the middle, yeah. actually. And it shouldn't have, like, left a big impression, but, like, there's all there's, like, a cult following basically to charmed and a lot of it is it's the type of show like doctor who where there are like overarching storylines but there's also like a monster of the week essentially Mm -hmm. that they have to defeat although in this case it's like demons Mm -hmm. um and monsters yeah and uh yeah basically it's like super easy format to get into and if you like fall off for a couple episodes Mm -hmm. because dvr and shit like that didn't exist back then you can easily catch up again what, you want to summarize it a little No, I oh, think okay, that's yeah. enough, probably. Okay. People know Charmed. You can watch it on Netflix. Like, Three sisters in their house. Yeah. It's, what's weird is demons are always Popping into in the their house. house. Yeah. yeah. We talked Last time we rewatched it, we were like, I couldn't imagine living this way. Yeah. Like, yeah. And it is constantly like, oh shit, there's a demon popping yeah, yeah, they into don't the deal living with the room. kind of like trauma you would yeah, have. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, also they have like one of my favorite houses on TV. Yeah. It is just it, would be, like, San so Fran? cozy. Yeah, it's, That's like, a beautiful Victorian... I always wanted to move to San Fran as a kid because of, like, Full House and other TV shows yeah. that took place there that just had beautiful homes yeah. on, like, a hill. It has, like, a beautiful kitchen that's, like, attached to, like, a conservatory and shit. Like, you could say the house is, like, a fifth character. Y- yes, yes, you can. Well, <laughs> certainly, like, there's also the attic and the Book of Shadows. There's a... Mm-hmm. Um, world building around the house in particular. Everybody watches the show for the house. I mean, I think so. I think so. Uh, but that's not what we're here to discuss. Uh, so I wanted to talk about Communitas as the book explains it in relation to Charmed, and then we can also talk about it, because I noticed it in Acceptable Risk, too. So it says, there's some guy, Fisk, somebody? I don't know. Some thinker who came up with this idea. And uh, it says communitas is a defensive social group made up of mar- of the marginalized. It is a social formation whose 
main, if not only, purpose is to produce identities and relationships that are in the control of its members by the means that are denied to them by the dominant social order. On Charm, the communitas of the sister witches is a localizing defensive social formation that challenges and defends against disciplinary powers, techniques of control. So the disciplinary powers are like the dominant uh, powers of society, basically. So like in regular society, please don't click the pen. I had to open it. In regular societies, uh, in regular society, like these women are marginalized. And when women like speak up or try to, you know, act out uh, in like, especially act out power, right? They're punished for it. But in the communitas of charm, the three women are powerful and they're they're supposed to use their power, actually, to, like, protect people mm-hmm. and stuff like that, right? Um, and it's, like, basically this idea of communitas, like, protects women from... It's not that they'll ever... The idea of... The one thing that I think is weird but interesting about this idea of communitas is that, like, it's not meant... The, the idea isn't that, like, they're going to get together and overturn, like, the patriarchy or anything like that. Like, it's just, like, shelter from. In Charmed, there is. Isn't there, like, a structure? Yeah, like the elders. And, yeah. 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 So there's, like, an explicit. Yeah. yeah. They don't have any goal of displacing them or taking over. No. 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 And, and sometimes they do have to butt up against that yeah. bureaucracy, basically. Yeah, they do. Yeah, we'll talk about that a little bit more, too. I guess, is that enough? Do you understand? You understand what I'm saying by communitas, right? One technique of discipline is to set individuals by race, gender, class, and religion, amongst other categories, against each other. This disciplinary power technique prevents coalitions and alliances of the marginalized, which could threaten the power of dominant groups and individuals. Communitas is defensive against disciplinary power because it provides a social formation that is about the group ties that unite the marginalized. As a defensive strategy, the development of the communitas on charms is a space in which the sisters can develop identities not deemed proper by the dominant power. On charm, the improper identities concern females, female ideals, and female power. So I thought that was interesting because it's it's also like different than a lot of 90s feminism especially, which like outright like rejected femininity we've talked about this before right or anything feminine or the Mm -hmm. idea that feminine women or femininity could be powerful viewed it as like a trick almost like um a way to keep women down or to separate them right or to dominate yeah and also just something to be pushed down like a weakness you know so like you're supposed to wear a suit because that's what strong people do. that's what yeah that's what yeah. men do. And you want to fit into this society, you need to act like a man, mm-hmm. you know? And that's that's how you gain power. And instead, the communitas, especially like in Charm, like they're, and actually speaking of how people are dressed in Charm, they're always dressed very femininely with strappy yeah. spaghetti uh, strap, you know, tank tops. And, they show a lot of collarbone. Yeah, there's cleavage, there's short skirts, there's, you know, slits on the skirts and high heels. Things. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, it's very feminine. Lots of, and since they're three women, they all have three different ways of dressing, feminine. but very femininely, I would say. Uh, Piper is probably the least feminine, but even she is, you know, quite feminine. So yeah, so the communitas kind of like provides this refuge, basically, where um, the marginalized can develop. And so I noticed that in uh, Acceptable Risk, too, that like at first, 
Um, you have, okay, so a quick summary of acceptable risk is, uh, according to IMDb, uh, when her husband Lee is murdered, Sarah Manning comes to realize that she knows nothing about his past. Sarah begins to question who Lee actually was, what he did in his work for a powerful organization, and why did Lee, a salesman, need to carry a gun? So her husband goes to Montreal. Yeah. He ends up dead at a... Um, actually, he, dead just um, in, like, the red, red light, light district. district. Yeah. Yeah. But uh, it's pretty obvious, like, he didn't belong there. Um, Somebody shot him and dropped him out of a car. You he ha- he has step. a plastic gun, like a gun that's made out of, like... Um, so you can get through metal detectors. Yeah. So, like, plastic gun. Yeah. Yeah. And... When she was, like, trying to call family for the funeral and stuff, she realized, like, she doesn't Mm -hmm. know any of his family. She knew that he had previously been in the CIA, or she figures that out. Yeah, I don't think she knew that at first. Okay. She also worked for the same company. Yeah. So she knows the people, and she starts talking to them and trying to figure stuff out. Yeah, and it's just clear that something's not right with his death. It's not just a random accidental... I don't know, like, robbery gone bad or something. She feels like she can't trust the police. She can tell the company is covering stuff up. But, so one person... Oh, and then there's a... Are you talking... There's a female detective. Yeah. Yeah. So I was going to say, like, at first, we see, like, two different communitas, sort of. Like, there's the two sisters, Sarah Manning and her sister, who... Her sister... I forget her sister's name. Oh, that's right. But she's, like, the only... Let's say Phoebe. I feel like she has some kind of name like that. She's, like, alternative, you know? Yeah, they talk about her past as like a rocker chick basically yeah like, touring um, with the band her boyfriend although the then she made a lot of money in real estate so yeah. <laughs> you know, very alternative uh, i'm trying to look up what the fuck her last name was Lee? rose oh nula you're right her name was nula okay even more alternative yeah. than phoebe yeah so her parents had one daughter named sarah and one named nula <laughs> Maybe it's like a <laughs> as name. common Irish name as Sarah. I don't know. Um, yeah, so so we have two it's communitas. Kind of... We have one which is Sarah and Nula, and they are um, trying to slowly figure out what happened to her husband. It's mainly Sarah, but her like refuge, her space where she can kind of vent all of her thoughts and ideas, and just like even just vent at her sister. Um, is the little communitas that they have together. In the, her house most of the time. Yeah. yeah. Um, and then the other one that we see is there's a female detective who's part of the case, and she has an ongoing kind of, like, standing tea date with a woman who's an older police detective who's, like, her mentor who had uh, worked in the police department. Right. And um, she kind of, like, bounces ideas off of and stuff. And so they talk a lot about... Um, what it was like to be a what it's like to be a woman on the force now. What it was like to be a woman on the force when the older uh, mm-hmm. police officer was there, and um, so yes, yeah, so we have these two kind of like female communitas um, that kind of we start the show out with, and uh, it's interesting because we ultimately end up with one communitas, which is the sisters plus the police officer. Yeah, uh, again, always meeting in. Uh, her house, Sarah's yeah. house. Yeah. yeah, just like the sisters and Charm meet in yeah. the house, right? It's like a, there's a physical location, actually. Yeah. yeah. Um, and a big part of the reason that the communitas of the police women is broken up is because of this different idea of, I think, uh, feminism, right? Like, so the older police officer is telling her, just keep your head down, do what they tell you. 
don't like uh, go against the chief police officer. Mm-hmm. Don't mess any any it's, of this up. It's like it's harder being a woman, so we have to work twice as hard. Yeah, a very like Hillary Clinton. Type yeah, and don't follow your emotions. Right, just mm-hmm. be cold and careerist. Yeah. Also, play the politics. Yeah. You know. Yeah. Yeah. And that's how you advance. And ultimately, you know, she decides to go with this more feminine you know the reason you want the communitas is so that you have a refuge so you can develop your power away from the dominant uh culture right so but then she has like this woman when her friend the Mm. police chief is like under threat she brings that dominant punishing culture into the communitas i think and so like breaks it up you know Mm -hmm. and so then this woman goes with these sisters and that's how they ultimately crack the case the detective starts going against the advice because that she's getting from her mentor because her mentor it turns out is kind of working behind the scenes to squash this investigation yeah, she just wants... The mentor is, like, really loyal to the current police chief, partially because he was, like, good to her when she was on the force. And and it turns out she was involved in her time in, like, covering up crimes to get ahead or something like that. Yeah, but that's not that... It's not that important. Mm-hmm. I think the main issue here is that she's, like, this is how you get ahead as a woman in the police department. And Assimilating. Yeah. Yeah. And this woman is like, I can't, I have to follow my gut. I have to follow my emotions. Like, yeah. um, and so she has to depart from that communitas into one, which is basically, which allows her more freely to, yeah, develop power, to d- develop herself outside of mm-hmm. this dominant culture. You're going to talk about the different theories of justice. Yeah. So there's two ethics uh, like that they talk about in this um, chapter of this book, too. One is the ethic of justice, which is what we see most of the time, especially mm-hmm. as it relates to any time like a man is in charge of um, uh, as our protagonist or a yeah. police officer. Or it's basically like Superman, you know, um, uh, what is it like? Something justice in the American way. Mm, yeah. You know, um, it's like this, like big ideas commitment to just an idea of justice. It's this like abstract morality, mm-hmm. um, and that's what like men in TV and in our stories in general, I think, tend to be driven by. Um, but they talk about the ethic of care here, and it says, unlike the more abstract and universal moral voices often described as the male-associated ethic of justice, care ethic ethics is concerned with flesh-and-blood individuals. Because the ethic of justice focuses on abstract rules and laws as its guiding force, it may mean that one may have to sacrifice individuals for an abstract principle. The ethic of care, however, does not sacrifice the real people for the principle. Yeah. Um... So we see this, like, obviously on uh, Charmed a lot. Um, you know what it kind of reminds me of is that Apollonian-Dionysian distinction, hmm. where Apollonian, yeah. Apollo, the god of beauty, statues that are yeah. meant to last forever. Yeah, it's this immovable thing. Yeah, perfect Just like representation. this immovable idea of justice yeah. Whereas Dionysus, god of parties and wine, it's about the moment, yeah. being in it. You know. Dynamic, yeah. Yeah. Um, Yeah, absolutely. Uh, So they talk about actually how, like, you know, there's these rules that 
the sisters are supposed to cannot use their ma magic for personal gain. Now, we're going back to the sisters and Charmed first. Mm -hmm. uh, cannot use their uh, powers for personal gain um, or to punish the guilty. Uh, it says, however, the sisters constantly break the rules to help those who are suffering, um, which we see, like, all the time on Charmed. And the interesting thing is that, like, we were talking about the elders. So there's this group of, like, pretty clearly all-male, like, I don't know, magical council or something mm -hmm. um, that sets the rules, I guess, for witches in the Charmed universe. And then the sisters are there trying to carry out this justice, but they regularly run into situations where they feel like they don't want to, or they, that it's not right to adhere to those rules because uh, they're too rigid, basically, you know? Yeah. So they have like this example here where it says, um, in the episode X Libris, season two, episode 19, <laughs> Prue uses magic to help a grieving father find justice for his slain daughter by using a ghost scene only by the sisters to convince the murderer to confess. In Charmed and Dangerous, season four, episode 13, <laughs> Paige magically hides the bruises of a beaten woman so she can go to court to win custody of her son. So again, here we have this idea, right? They are not supposed to, like, you know, force the uh, murderer to confess because that would mm. be punishing the guilty or to use their magic for some kind of, like, personal gain or whatever like i guess like magicking away this woman's bruises is like helping her gain something but on the other hand like it would be you can see how in this situation like it'd be really fucked up that just because this woman was like mm -hmm. abused that yeah. she shouldn't get custody of her son or whatever shouldn't be able to if you had the power to change that you would want to use that power regardless of what the rules are because of like the individual in front of mm -hmm. you you know Maybe we should call this the Darren-Samantha dichotomy from Bewitched. Oh, yeah. Yeah. That's interesting. Yeah. Um, she's always using magic, even though she says, oh, I don't want to. I want to assimilate to your human world where, yeah. you know, I don't use it for personal gain or to solve problems, but she's always behind the scenes. Yeah. Smoothing problems over with yeah. magic. Yeah. Totally. Because she always justifies it because she saw a situation in front of her that... Yeah required it you know she's mm -hmm. like no i'm committed to the big idea but you yeah. know there's individual cases that like require yeah. it but our nosy neighbor you know yeah is is gonna get you fired from your job because, yeah 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 exactly you kick a puppy or something <laughs> yeah well darren was a drunk um <laughs> <laughs> so uh so then in the uh tv show like acceptable risk I noticed that we kept pointing, well, I kept pointing it out to you, and I had, like, told you about this idea, so we were noticing it a lot while we were watching. Oh. There was, like, this it, real... It's, like, that's at the heart, it turns out, yeah. of the drama. Yeah. Yeah. Because um, the villain is the CEO of the drug company that her husband worked for, that she used to work yeah. for. And uh, it turns out he's basically, like, been murdering people. Yeah. To, to keep his company safe. And the... And his justification is, well, we make a, or are making, or on the verge of making, I forget exactly what it was, a drug that will help, like, eradicate child cancer. Yeah. So they gave you, like, the biggest yeah. moral, <laughs> abstract, you know, yeah. justice concept possible. Yeah. And that he's committed to. And therefore, he sacrifices individuals along mm -hmm. the way, right? Yeah. And she, 
sees these individuals being sacrificed along the way, and that's her whole drive for getting pulled into this, you know, world and trying to unravel the mystery and ultimately bring justice to him. And it turns out, like, two decades ago or something, he was basically experimenting on children. Yeah, the way this drug started was, um, because in Ireland, there, you know, it's a Catholic country, Mm -hmm. you're not supposed to have children out of wedlock, so there were these homes for single mothers who would have a child and there are, like, nuns there who take care of the children and then, or, and, and the moms, and then they would give the kids up for adoption. Mm-hmm. And um, because these kids are, like, from poor, single mother, like, shame-filled, you know, families, uh, he basically was able to use his power to convince, I guess, the nuns or the orphanage or whatever yeah. that he was, like, doing something good. But actually, he was sacrificing all these kids as test subjects. Yeah. For this drug that he ultimately creates to... So he has the utilitarian ethics. Yeah, totally. Yeah. And to him, it's okay if I have to murder people. To yeah, yeah. Because yeah. individuals don't matter in large of the yeah. bigger. Um, and then for Sarah, it's about... the. F- there's a woman who was a nurse who found out what was going on. And she was... Oh, no, actually, that was for the police officer. It was like her big driving thing that right, got her yeah. in. And for Sarah, it was her uh, husband being murdered mm-hmm. that got her into it. But then... They through their like community. Oh, and then also the sister, Anula, she had seen this uh, property that she wanted to buy back in the day. Oh yeah, yeah. Which she tried to get. Uh, well, we don't need to get too into they the weeds. They wanted to but... buy it for their music business or whatever. Well, no, no, for their real estate oh, business. Okay, yeah. But the the important part was that so she ultimately ended up um, getting interested in this venue. And trying to buy it, it turned out that the pharmaceutical company bought it, and they would just sit on it. They wouldn't do mm-hmm. anything with it. And they had secure, a security guard patrolling it. Yeah, and no matter like how much money they offered or whatever, they wouldn't let her buy it. And finally, at the end, that's what they realize is that the orphanage used to sit there, and mm-hmm. the bones of these yeah. many, many child victims. I didn't even realize how all those three stories came together there. Yeah. Do you remember, what was it that they, how did they convince the security guard to let them come in and look around? Uh, the female cop I feel like they appealed to his something. sentimental side. Yeah, maybe. Yeah, they yeah. appealed to him on like a personal level. Yeah, I'm like, definitely on a human level, yeah. yeah. Uh, yeah, the female cop talked to him, and I think she basically just said like, you... You know, you could just, like, take a walk and just, mm-hmm. I could just happen to see this, you know, and no one will yeah. be the wiser kind of thing. Um, but, yeah, so it was really interesting because the whole time, it, in the, they pains, took many, many pains to show us all the individuals and to make them full characters, the victims that were uh, killed along the way by this yeah. doctor. And the... Yeah, and they do have multiple female characters that take the more assimilationist viewpoint, like the the bot, the mentor. Yeah, and then there's also her former colleague, who's a lawyer at the company, who is one of the who is a full character because she is both good. She's a good friend to Sarah, but she's also mm-hmm. a little bit evil because she's still loyal to the company. And then she's yeah. murdered at the end as one oh, of the victims. Right. Yeah. yeah, that's what I mean. They, yeah. We got to know her. Like, she wasn't just a nameless, faceless victim. And what killed her was basically siding with the men at the company. Yeah. 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 Um, and she was used and discarded, basically. Yeah, so... Yeah, and then... 
Uh, do you want to talk? I don't know if there's anything else we need to say about this. Do you want to talk a little bit about Bancroft and Marcella? I remember Bancroft the best. Bancroft. Bancroft, Bancroft is a little is different. Fine. There's like no communitas for sure. Yeah. Well, actually, there is between the two women. Oh yeah, no, there is Which between women? the female police officer and the um, forensic scientist. Is that what she is? Oh, that's right. Yeah. And the forensic scientist also has like these ties to the yeah uh, drug dealer's wife. Yeah. So Bancroft is a story where. So let me give you the plot keywords: female police detective. Pretty good. British police, cold case, okay, so far so good. 2010s, fine. Surname as its title. Surname as title, one word title. Uh, character, character name, name and title. title, title spoken by character. Yeah. So yeah, this is, you get a sense here of what the genre is. It's a genre where the <laughs> a character's name is in the title and somebody says it in yeah. the series. I, I just, we should like search for more TV shows whose name is said in the, by a character or something like that. Because yeah. it's just, it's so weird. That, yeah. Bancroft is like an elite detective. Do you want me to give you the going IMDb? up for promotion? No. Okay. And who's the other, who's the main girl? Sally, blonde. Catherine Stevens. She's the blonde young recruit. Yeah, basically. and Catherine Stevens and Anya Karim actually do sort of have a communitas because once again mm-hmm. they find a space where they can yeah. develop power out as two women in the police force yeah. outside of. So they start out by looking the up to Bancroft. Police force they're culture. all in. They're in the same building basically to start with. And uh, Catherine, the blonde young girl, is getting put on cold cases. And she's watching Bancroft go out on these, you know, high-profile, very glamorous drug busts. And, like, throwing people up against the wall and shouting at them and stuff. And she also notices that a cop that's, like, that she came into the police force with is on that raid. Right. But she's not. She's, like, sitting at a desk. Then she's, like... Got to do cold case files. But he's, you know, literally straight out of central casting for, like, a drug cop. You know, he's like a yeah. tall guy with some muscles who doesn't smile at and all. And he's a black guy. Black guy, yeah. Yeah. And uh, so anyway, she gets stuck on cold cases and she is trying to make a name for herself. So she really latches on to this one cold case where a woman had just been murdered in her own home. And she, she keeps saying, like, talk about a commitment to the individual. She keeps saying that woman's name, which, fuck, I forget what that character's Laura. name is. This mur- Laura? Oh, yeah, yeah, Laura yeah. Frazier. But she's always like, Laura Frazier! Or I, I can't do their <laughs> accent, but you know what I'm saying? Very she's racist. Always, <laughs> she's always saying her name, and she's always, like, saying she was young and beautiful and pregnant mm-hmm. yeah. and one of the first things she does is interview her father yeah last, like last living family member and every time someone tells her to just move on to a different case she keeps saying no no like this individual deserves justice and yeah. that's why she can't move on because she's already connected to this individual yeah so again we have that ethic of care versus an ethic of justice even just like the other police officers telling her we'll just move on you know yeah. solve more cold cases and you'll yeah, basically achieve anywhere. more justice you're right? not getting anywhere with yeah. this one but then and she's working on it with anya the forensic person yeah and then she isn't getting anywhere and she finds she goes to the father's house and finds anything that might have been at the house at the time that the police don't have and she finds like a wedding video and she's watching everything so she watches the wedding video and she sees bancroft there yeah so Bancroft knew the victim. Yeah. And then she finds out Bancroft was the first one to discover the victim. Yeah. Uh, so, and then it turns out Bancroft knew the victim's fiance. Yeah, but interestingly, like um, 
acceptable risk. Bancroft is the older female detective that's behaving a little bit like a mentor to Catherine, is, right? Yeah. So you almost see um, in this new idea of communitas, I guess, kind of where it's like, is it good or is it dangerous? Because you can oh, be yeah. susceptible to like, you know, being turned by someone who you think is part of your communitas who actually yeah. and, is working against you. Know, more you. specifically, there's this older female mentor who has succeeded in this system. Yeah. Is she like a source of wisdom or is she like a source of corruption? And actually oppression. Yeah. 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 So anyway, it turns out Bancroft murdered the woman because she was actually in love with her. Yeah. And And that woman was... Yeah. Yeah. We don't need to get into the details. But it was another TV show where these... We have these reoccurring themes that is a female-dominated TV show... That, I don't know. It's just really interesting. It's also interesting to just we weren't trying, we weren't looking for female dominated no. TV shows. It was just like we're just cl- like clicking on yeah. things and, and coming across these. She's so masculinized. She's like that stereotypical lesbian, right? Yeah, that's masculine. Yeah, she like throws Catherine around the room like through glass and tries to choke her out. Yeah, um, it's a good show. She actually at the end like. When I mean we're giving spoilers away, so I'll just oh, say that's like, okay. We are when we she are. shoots Catherine. Yeah, it's like so cold and calculated. Yeah. It's really good. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So at the end, Catherine has basically all the evidence to uh, prove that Bancroft yeah. murdered Laura Fraser. But nobody wants to believe her, of course. And so, and because her, su- at her the, superior doesn't want. To yeah, her. and at the same time, because Bancroft is so high up on the police force, when she says. Well, I want this team of people. They just give her that team of people. So one of the people she requests for this, like, drug bust is Catherine. Mm -hmm. And then she asks Catherine to go document the scene while they're still looking for the one of the guys that's missing from the drug cartel. Catherine's walking around. She stumbles into, like, a closet room area, whatever. Uh, He is about to shoot her. And then... Uh, Bancroft walks in, she shoots the drug guy, yep. and then she shoots Catherine in the head, because yeah. why wouldn't she? And plants the gun on the drug yeah. guy, yeah. And so there, we actually, that's interesting too, because we actually there have a uh, female detective, yeah, who really is masculine, because she's willing, she was willing to sacrifice Laura Frazier, she was willing to sacrifice, she threatened mm. uh, Laura Frazier's husband, she was basically willing to sacrifice him too, even though he was yeah. her best friend in college. Yeah. She's, um, she doesn't give a shit about the individual, like, dad, who's, like, very heartstring pulling mm-hmm. morning father. Yeah. Um, and she actually doesn't, I mean, she's willing to sacrifice Catherine. She Did killed one find, or two other people, Yeah, too. yeah. We find out she's, like, killed other people. Yeah. Yeah. She so killed she, that cop her, who was working on the case. Yeah. Nowadays. Yeah. So she's totally willing to sacrifice mm-hmm. individuals. I don't know if it's for an ethic of justice or just her own ego or whatever but i mean yeah. she's a good cop yeah. like and in her mind so, she's doing good work yeah she's and she's about to become the top room. female cop so she's about yeah. to bust a you know break a glass ceiling right yeah. like so there's kind of yeah another yeah. commitment to ethic of or and laura fraser is her vince foster yeah yes <laughs> <laughs> um but yeah in her mind she's like i've only killed one person it was a mistake but now i'm a good cop yeah and then she kills another person but she's like oh i have to cover it up and yeah then it's another person another person yeah yeah oh yeah yeah she killed a cop she killed a cop who was retired who had been her mentor mm-hmm. because she was worried that he had some that if uh if the younger 
if Catherine Stevens, the younger cop, went to talk to him, yeah. she might figure it out. Yeah. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, so she's just, yeah, she's just mowing people down. Mm-hmm. Um, and then we had Marcella. Marcella is probably more complicated. Yeah. she. Do- there's no real communitas there. Well, yeah, it wouldn't work because she's so isolated yeah. and paranoid. Basically, it's a show where, what what is her deal? She works... She was a she police was a officer. Yeah. She, um, we find out over time, again, spoilers, there's always spoilers in our mm-hmm. podcasts. Uh, we, she, we find out eventually that she had lost a child that was like, I don't know, five months old or something. And after that, she started having these like disassociative events where she like, Fugue states. yeah, where she like gets really emotionally upset and then she just blacks out and she doesn't know where she is or what happened. Mm-hmm. And, um, I think like, so after that happened the first time, she just, like, left the police force, and she just went home and was with her husband and, like, raising her kids, even though they're at boarding school. And then uh, so a cop shows up at her door one day to ask her about an old case because they have a copycat killer on the loose. Or they think oh, the killer right. struck it's again. like a serial killer story. Yeah, or the killer struck again. They're not sure. And so There's been this then gap she's, of, like, eight years or something. I think five years, yeah. yeah. And so then she's, like, pulled back in, basically. Mm -hmm. And then she decides, well, my kids are at boarding school. I haven't had any of these feelings or events in a long time. I'm Mm -hmm. going back. I'm bored. You know? Her husband makes a ton of money working for a big, like, Um, like, developer. Yeah. Yeah. Um, So she decides to get back into it. And then, of course, like, it's a lot of emotional stress. And she's, like, triggered into these dissociative events and at some point she doesn't know whether or not she's actually murdered the woman who was sleeping with with her her husband husband, who was the daughter of of the property property developer developer, yeah um and so so now it's a female detective who may or may not be a murderer yeah it's super paranoid you don't know she doesn't know yeah. yeah um but yeah there's no she blacks out a few more times well actually i guess there's more of a is there more of a commitment to the to justice? To the ethic of justice. Yeah, because she just is like, she yeah, may have murdered is, yeah. someone, but she's not willing to, she's like, but I'm going to solve who the killer is yeah, of these other like, people. Only I can do it. Everybody yeah. else is getting it wrong. She's yeah. like the only one who is figuring it out. Yeah. Yeah. And even though it like endangers people along the way, she doesn't really like care. Or she she definitely, doesn't stop. No, she's definitely more ethic of justice. Like she, her kids are having trouble at boarding school because yeah. they're acting up and she actually doesn't even deal with it it's yeah. the husband the father who really deals with yeah. it yeah yeah true yeah so i don't know it's interesting that we have all these different female-led tv shows right now that you can yeah, easily she, like she sacrifices everything for the ethic of justice and yeah more or less yeah know. including like her own sanity yeah. <laughs> uh, all individuals are sacrificed including herself <laughs> <laughs> yeah um yeah, so basically we, I don't know, that's it. That's all I had to say, really. Yeah, that's good. Yeah. I thought this would be more, like, freewheeling, but I guess I've been thinking about it for so long that I basically knew yeah, what I wanted to say. talked a little bit about it, so we have it pretty ironed down, I guess. Well, we talked for about 50 minutes, so oh, okay. we don't do well, cuts. That's really so short for us, side. yeah. Yeah. Uh, is there anything else we need to talk about before we go? Mm, I don't know. I don't think so. This okay. is something we talk about a lot. I know we've applied it to other shows, but... 
Yeah, I mean, basically when you're watching TV in the future and you come across a female protagonist type TV show, even if it's not like crime, like, I mean, Charmed, you wouldn't necessarily think of it as exactly crime. Mm -hmm. Um, Check it out and see if you notice whether they're playing the ethic of justice or the ethic of care. Yeah. Because I I bet you'll find, or, or if there's like a communitas, you'll find that a lot too, like... I was thinking in especially women-led TV shows, that's even more prevalent, actually, because they always want to show that, like, uh, women, you know, have have to create these separate spaces to, like, help each other get through the dominant culture, whether that's a police force mm-hmm. or restaurant business or whatever, you know? Yeah. Cool. Yeah. Okay. Well, this is our first podcast back, and uh, we'll be I think I already know what I want our next one to be about. So hopefully, yeah, Do you it'll want to say it? come out soon. I don't know what it is. Uh, well, Mike sent me an article, and I was literally watching The Good Place when I saw it, <laughs> <laughs> specifically talking about that TV show and morality on TV and why characters on screen are more anxious, guilty, and self-hating than ever. It's on uh, thenewstatesman.com if you want to check it out. Nice. And I think that's probably what we'll talk about because I was already thinking about it. That's cool. And then this was perfect. <laughs> yeah. I think we're going to try to be more regular. I think we've figured out if Lubitsa decides what we're going to talk about and steers discussion, we'll get it done more often. <laughs> yeah. But also, if you uh, have any... If you would like... Anybody listening thinks it'd be cool to force her to watch anime, then that's cool. Let me know. <laughs> or if you if, have any suggestions for yeah, anime to watch, if you want to send us articles like this, that that's might be the super only helpful. way I can get her to watch anime. <laughs> <laughs> but also, if you want to like send us articles like this, it's really awesome because I was watching The Good Place and like already like thinking about this, but then reading an article like this really helps make it so much easier to mm-hmm. put out the episode versus me having to basically like think through all that stuff by myself and then come up with. Uh, yeah. like a guiding format for the episode you know so yeah cool thanks so much I hope you liked this episode and we'll talk to you again soon okay bye bye
Set free, there's no breeze, there's no ship on my sea. 